Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb And welcome to Groundhog Minute podcast where we celebrate the 1993 classic Groundhog Day one repetitive minute at a time. I'm your host Dave and I'm your other host Sean and joining us today we have a special guest from the Jurassic Park and Ghostbuster Minute podcast Kyle. Welcome. Hey, hey thanks for having me. This is uh, oh. an awesome movie to chat about. Thanks I'm really happy to be uh, to be on the show today. Oh glad to have you on. Yeah yeah we're, we're very excited and uh, in particularly I mean Kyle, for for our listeners, if you haven't listened to any of those podcasts, you're really missing out. Kyle is is a great practitioner of this movie by minutes format, but in particular, I wanted you here because of your history with Ghostbusters. So you've got a little bit. You've worked with quote quote unquote worked with Harold <laughs> Ramis and Bill Murray before. Yeah, familiar territory here. Uh, you know, uh, big fans of uh, Bill Murray and in his body of work and Harold Ramis as well. I think the man has gone down as a uh, you know, even with the body of work that he has, I still think he's underappreciated in the general public. Uh, his comedic timing uh, behind the lens, you know, with movies like Stripes and, um, and, and Groundhog's Day in particular. I think it really, this was kind of uh, a movie where he got to not only show how funny he is, but, you know, with the right uh, writer and everything, just, uh, the, you know, the, um, uh, the intellect of Harold Ramis as well. So this is a, a great movie to be joining you guys for. Yeah. So, yeah, we want to welcome you on, and we're going to discuss today, we're going to discuss Minute 46. Sean? Uh, so in minute 46, Phil thanks a couple locals for watching and then heads over to the Pennsylvania hotel bar to meet with Rita, uh, offers her a drink and logs her order into memory. And we see, uh, we see him again. And this time he just happens to be able to order the same thing she does. The, the infamous sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist. And Rita is astonished. That's, uh, you know, that's her drink too. So we, I remember in a past, uh, I think it was uh, in the last minute, we were talking about how, you know, he's probably watched Larry play a little bit with the van earlier. So he knows what's the easiest part I can disable quickly to kind of go on to talk with other people and, and not have to have uh, Larry bother me about the leaving the town. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think he's like, he's like, oh, what's that? Oh, what's that? And he goes, oh, they're all there. And he goes, okay, pop that off, bam, boom. And he just probably tosses in the local trash can, like in a groundhog uh, trash <laughs> can. Groundhog. I was wondering about that. In in, um, in the director's commentary on the Blu-ray, uh, Harold Ramis says this is the distributor or the distributor cap that, that Phil is pulling out. I know very little. Oh, I know. About yeah. cars. But I'm just but he seems like he isn't digging very deep. Whatever he's pulling out seems to be on the top. Yeah. Like so, you know, so as soon as Larry figures out that he, you know, he goes through his troubleshooting steps and he has to look under the hood, it should take him like 10 seconds. Like <laughs> yeah. it seems like this is a this was a like a not a huge thing. He didn't take out the whole engine or the transmission, but like a fist size part that was right on the top of the engine. Larry should have this figured out pretty quickly, at least what's missing. You know, if he may not have an extra one in the van, but at least know what they need. So I'm wondering if, if Larry's maybe, um, you know, maybe Larry puts himself out there as this guy who's a great mechanic and, and great with all kinds of gear because he works with the camera. And then, 
and maybe he's overselling his ability and that's why it's taking him so long to figure out what the problem is. You know, it's also possible that he's seen the film, the sound of music because the distributor cat that he's pulling out there is the exact same thing that a nun pulls out of the car so that the Nazis can't follow the family at the end of the movie. (laughs) So, and I only noticed that because, um, the part that he pulls out is identical to a joking like family guy. I think it was where Peter pulls a part out and he's like, well, they won't get far without this. And I never understood what that joke was until someone was like, oh, you have to watch Sound of Music. And while I was watching this earlier to prepare for this, I, I checked, the, the, I just Googled distributor cap, and it's exactly what the nuns were holding at the end of the film. However, the one that uh, he's got in the movie here it looks like the Family Guy joke. So uh, I don't know if that was an intentional joke on uh, Harold Ramis's part, but it's it's identical to what uh, stopped the Nazis from getting the family at the end of the movie. So See, that... that, that... To me, like looked like the exact same thing that blew out of the DeLorean in Back to the Future Three, uh-huh. and they put the booze in it. Like, yeah. it's like this block with like a bunch of cords coming off of it. It's like this same kind of thing. It's just like go to part of without this, the car won't run. It's like the shorthand. Yeah, it's it's the uh, engine octopus that he pulls out that <laughs> makes sure the car runs. Yeah. So, so yeah, once he got set off tosses it whatever and maybe yeah larry spends the whole night like at the police station like somebody like just stole the distributor cap <laughs> out of my van it's he's got to write a report up or something <laughs> yeah he's got to submit an insurance claims though i and i i want to jump back a little bit um actually before we get to um phil and rita and their their car talk when phil is just entering we get a shot of kind of the side area of this restaurant slash bar phil's entering and we see we see a couple gentlemen in formal gear one of whom is still wearing his top hat i guess oh those are definitely i presume they're a couple groundhog officials Mm -hmm. and just kind of pointing it out i don't know if there's much to say it at this point but it's gonna figure in later in the movie spoiler alert i guess uh that we see a sign for the groundhog day banquet presented by the inside circle or the inner circle. And that'll be occurring at the Pennsylvania hotel ballroom. Yeah. So I, uh, something to do tonight. I assume. Yeah. That was like the major D or that was like the head, like, like um, host or um, I don't know, whoever yeah, organized the events at, at the hotels. Yeah. Like it's them going like, these are the tables we want. We want them here and here with the sign there, like going over all those things last minute. Yeah. And then the other thing I want to point out about this this particular angle of the shot is, is there is it like a local ordinance that everywhere you go in Punxsutawney, there's an old person reading a newspaper? <laughs> He's just like I, I, I and I haven't actually gone back to check, but I'm like, is this one of the guys from the bed and breakfast that every morning when Phil comes down, there's like I mean, there's people like eating and stuff, but then there's always there's a couple guys off to the side that are just reading a newspaper. Like, is this the same guy? Is this part of the groundhog thing that like everywhere Phil goes, there's this old man reading a newspaper following him around town? I, I like I like to think that's that's his like that's his miniature hell that he has to do <laughs> every day. He's got to try and finish that paper, and he never quite finishes it. He falls asleep, and then like and then Mrs. Lancaster or the bartender put him in another loop where he's got to. <laughs> read the newspaper again and again right. and again he's got to he's got to finish the crossword puzzle before 6 a.m and then it blanks out and he's got to start all over again 
Uh, I'm curious about that sign too because I saw that as well, and you know it's presented by the Inner Circle, and it sounds a little bit ominous to me. Does it sound like <laughs> it sounds like almost some sort of like cult that's running this whole thing? Maybe there's something going on with I don't know. There's the motif of the circle, you know, it being inside. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, mean, I got I got the book here, the Images of America around Pugsatawney, and when they get to the 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 club in the last one, I mean, yeah, it's a it's a it's only like. A few decades older than the town and this and the whole thing, and yeah, you, like the first, yeah, I got some pictures here, and it's a couple members around in like the 30s and 40s, and they got their, their, um, their hats and stuff. I mean, it looks like uh, something that could be like the, the start of, of some, uh, yeah, the nefarious Illuminati like <laughs> cult, some groundhog based black magic hey, that's yeah, what it I is mean, it's a it's a pagan ritual that celebrates the uh groundhog i mean really kind of groundhog's day really <laughs> is it's like this like kind of nature magic you know <laughs> let's see its shadow or not <laughs> yeah so i mean what we we you know we see the nice family friends friendly disnification part of the of the thing in the morning with where you bring out your kids and the oompa bands and everything and then like at night it's the same guys they're just wearing top hats like running around the woods naked chasing the groundhog you know, was... yeah that's what these pictures are it's a bunch of guys in like suits and hunting jackets like in in these fields and stuff yeah who knows what they were doing at night <laughs> Nothing good. So these streamers that are in this scene as well, they kind of read a little bit more like Cinco de Mayo to me than they do Groundhog's Day. Is there is there any sort of like uh, you guys have you know watched this movie I guess several times over almost in the repetitive nature of it? Is there any sort of like color motif that's going on that's consistent, or do you think they just like these were streamers that were available at the uh, the local like Chicago uh, parties or us or whatever when they were shooting? I kind of lean towards this is just what was available although yeah. it almost looks like this is what they have up in in this bar or in the hotel or, you know and they didn't even put it up for the movie like this mm-hmm. was just there yeah we, we we've kind of wondered what are what are the colors of groundhog day you know halloween is yeah. is orange and black and christmas is red and green like so this is what it's like red green and beige or maybe orange yeah um so yeah, I guess what red, green, and white would be the Mexican flag. Yeah, um, yeah. The green would tie in. You could leave the green up for a month. That'll that'll still be good for for St. Patrick's Day in March. Sure, you get your money out of it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we've established. There's a lot of yellow, a uh, yellow signs and like uh, fill the groundhog T-shirts that are yellow, and though I don't know if that's you know if that's part of the official color palette of Groundhog Day or if the if that's just the cheap color. Sure. Yeah. It's like, oh, you want white t shirts? That's gonna be, you know, twenty dollars a piece, but we got a you know, we got a truckload of yellow we're trying to unload. I can yeah. give you a good deal. That's it's the, it's whatever, whatever they didn't sell over the previous holidays are just like, well, we have a, a surplus of this. Let's just push it out for Groundhog's Day. So yeah, yeah, right. Steelers country, so they'd have a lot of yellow. Oh, very good point. Yeah. Or yeah. gold, whatever. Yeah. All right. So yeah, sorry, I just uh so we we've talked about that. So Phil walks in, kind of confidently, strides over to the bar, and um, kind of picks up where we left off so, with uh, with Phil. I mean, with uh, with Larry not doing anything for us. So yeah, what? what um, so this is yeah, sometime in the afternoon. This is probably like where Rita goes if she's not invited to the the diner. Mm-hmm. I assume she probably gets her stuff in order because once again we gotta keep reminding ourselves that. Yeah, Phil did tell them, I want out of here as soon as possible. So she probably has her bags packed. And then Larry goes, oh, well, the, it's just, I don't know, the van. 
and then she comes down here. Do you think she is this a magazine? Is this a Reader's Digest? Is it like what do you think she's reading with whatever this? She already has a drink here. We see like maybe it's maybe it's a light drink, maybe it's a lemonade or something. But like, what, what, what's your take? Uh, I'm I'm curious as to what she is drinking there because if that's water, honey, that's water's not supposed <laughs> to look like that. It is a thick. <laughs> milky white substance it's almost like half milk half water i mean they're in pennsylvania maybe it's like frack runoff that's in the water or something like that <laughs> but uh to me uh yeah reader's digest maybe a mystery novel she comes across to me like some of this maybe like a murder junkie you know mm-hmm. like she's probably reading something on like a the north side pennsylvania strangler or something like that i don't know but, uh, you know, she's she's in her own little world there. It seems like she was kind of having just a nice time by herself before before he comes over and, you know, starts talking to her. Yeah, I mean, I, what I've learned as as an introvert is you've got to – like, she's right up front in the bar. There's mm-hmm. There's got to be a table in back in a corner. She's got to do – like, if you really want to be alone and read your book, you got to do a much better job of, of hiding yourself. Yeah. Unless she's hoping somebody walked up and that's why she's right by the door. But – um, for what she's drinking, I assume it's yeah, it's water, Sprite, it's some kind of soft drink, because when when Phil offers to buy a drink, she doesn't say, oh, "I'll have another, I'll have the same thing of what I had." Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's something different, and it's kind of like one thing. It's early to be drinking anyway, but then to be switching up between what you drink would yeah. be odd. And yeah. I think though, I kind of presume that was a frosted glass. Because you're okay. right. If if the if the color of the glass is whatever she's in, it's like, is it just sugar water <laughs> that she stirred up and the sugar hasn't completely dissolved yet? Like, is she is she the bug from Men in Black? Like, <laughs> it's like three part sugar, yeah, sugar water. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe lemonade. And then it's what she's reading. It looks like, well, it's paperback. It almost looks like the kind of the thin sort of magazine things that are by the checkout counter mm-hmm. in the supermarket. I almost expected it. I see there's like those books of like different kinds of puzzles. Sometimes it's Sudoku or something like that. I almost expected to see, to see it be some kind of puzzle book. Although we do get a shot kind of over her shoulder from behind and you can see it's, we can't read it, but it's blocks of text. But uh, I could see, yeah, I could see uh like a like true crime novel or you know like a 50s pulp kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah i like to think that like you know she she had her bags packed before she left with phil so she it said in her original idea maybe she did she packed a novel that she was going to read at you know at nights or something um in between time and then he said we gotta leave so she's like all right fine and and that's why I'm thinking, like, that's probably a soft drink because she probably thinks, all right, well, within about an hour or two, we'll be back in in Pittsburgh. And, you know, I don't want to sa- smell like I got booze on me. So, you know, I'll just have something light. Yeah. I, yeah I, she's I, thinking, well, yeah, I'll get drunk when we're back in Pittsburgh. But yeah, when, when I'm done with Phil <laughs> at this point. Yeah. <laughs> she probably need a drink by that point. So, <laughs> so were you guys kind of like... um her response when he says, can I buy you a drink? You know, given their kind of like history and probably, you know, work history and everything, I thought she'd be a little bit more apprehensive to that, but she does kind of seem like open to the option. You know, he's like, can I buy you a drink? And her response isn't immediately no. It's kind of like, yeah, sure. Why not? We're stuck in this town. Did, did that read kind of strange to you guys? I read it as, I guess it's like, it's her committing to, yeah, that van's probably not going to get fixed. Mm-hmm. Like when she sat down, she gets a light drink. Cause maybe she's like, 
oh, Larry will have it done, and then I could get this book, and then we could go pick up Phil. And I guess when she sees Phil's here, you know, I think she assumed Phil would have been right back at his bed and breakfast, just, like, napping or waiting around. Um, so when she's like, oh, he's here drinking, I guess, all right, well, I guess, yeah, I'll join him. Yeah, and I, it, it doesn't stand out too much to me. We know she's not too fond of Phil. We know Phil is a jerk. But she seems open, and yeah, like she's just sitting there, so fine. You know, you can sit next to me. And she knows she's, you know, she, Phil is, he's getting expensing this anyway. When he says, can I buy you a drink? He means, can I put this on my expense account and the network is going to buy you a drink? <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> I don't think Phil's paying for this anyway. But no. I don't, and, and you know, Rita, she's open, she's easygoing. She's into second and third and, and fourth chances. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't it didn't stand out too much to me. And also uh, I, I, I kind of I think I think Dave, you kind of alluded to this that this is this is a different day. This isn't uh, this certainly isn't the day that we just left where um, where they were in the diner. So, and, and and maybe Phil gave a good performance this morning. Yes. When when he's doing these, he has to start the day very chipper and happy to overcompensate for how, like, annoyed he was with them yesterday. Right. So he's got to come at him really nice and chipper, do a great performance, say, hey, great case. All right, I'll talk to you guys later. Then he goes to start setting up his, his van sabotage. So... You know, yeah, so that, really that's nice. yeah, that's an important important point to to call out that Phil has planned this. Mm-hmm. It, you know, so Rita just happens to find herself at this bar with Phil. Phil yeah. does not happen to find himself here. He's known. He's planned this. He know. He's known since he got out of bed. Okay, you know, I've gone through Nancy. I've gone through the the movie date. He's gone through. All the other other eligible single women in Punxsutawney. This is the day he's going to start working on Rita. And he's got it all planned out. I'm going to be really good at the knob. I'm going to do a good report. She's going to be impressed with me. I'm going to sabotage the van so we don't waste three hours driving out to the blizzard and having to come back. And it'll keep Larry busy so I can get Rita alone. Like, he's known he's going to be here. So, yeah, like, like Dave said, he could have been nice this morning. To, to lay the groundwork. Totally. I think that's something important to remember uh, as, as someone uh, who's coming onto your show. I, it's uh, just re- registering with me as you're saying this. Every time we're seeing him in this movie, it's probably the best day he's had up until that point before things go askew. You know, <laughs> it's like, okay, everything's going fine up until this point, And then, you know, and then he's uh, off on his adventure. Well, so what do you think? So, so yeah, so Kyle, so well, what do you think he does when things start to go wrong? Like how far... Does he take the plan? That's a really good question because we do see something happen here in in a minute uh, where he does make a note during the middle of it. It's just a small little thing. He just kind of mm-hmm. says something to himself, and I, I think probably it's it's a lot of experimentation. Of course, we're only seeing the most interesting part of that experimentation. I, I, I would like to see one where it goes off the rails, and he's just like, "All right, I'm <laughs> doing nothing but taking notes the whole time, like making a mental note of like what was your grandfather's name, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's your favorite color when you were a little girl. I don't know all that stuff. So, uh. Yeah, I, I do think it probably is a lot of mental notes because, you know, writing it down wouldn't do him any good. So I'm curious as to how many times he went through a scenario 
and then maybe made a mental note to remember something and then just completely flubbed it again and had just completely just to scrap the day. Like what he, you know, did he run outside and just run smack dab into the front of a car to reset everything (laughs) (laughs) or, or what? But, uh, yeah, there's, um, Probably uh, a few outtakes of something like that because you know it's it's funny this movie I, I was reading up on the history of making it and it, it looks like in the, uh, the previous versions of the scripts there was some explanation as to what was going on here and maybe they over explained a few things and I'm curious mm-hmm. if they shot some stuff like that of of him just you know uh, just the minutia that would go in to try to make a perfect day that wasn't interesting at all but. Um, yeah, uh, it's uh, he has to have a great memory <laughs> in order to get all this stuff down. Yeah, I, w- I wonder. There are there there are very few deleted scenes on the Blu-ray, mm-hmm. and it doesn't yeah it doesn't really cover a lot of those. You wonder because the way they show it. So here, Rita orders the the sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist, and he kind of makes a mental note, and then we get the reset. We get okay the next day. Now Phil's going to order the same thing that she did, but then. So like what what happened like that first day? Did she order sweet vermouth with a twist? And then yeah, did he just turn around and walk out and and yeah. go onto the railroad tracks and like okay, yeah. <laughs> this is gonna hurt, but this is the only way I can end this. Yeah, yeah, just kind of get get the next the next well he cycle going. He hasn't got yeah he we we know he hasn't got into the suicidal things yet, but right it definitely gets it's not, I mean like when he said you know Jim Bean rocks and water, I'm thinking. That sounds like a really like boring bourbon. It sounds like you're really just kind of mm-hmm. like watering down your bourbon. The only thing I think of is that he's doing it so he won't get drunk fast, so he can remember remember it. And then I'm thinking that once he feels like he has enough, or maybe yeah, where the the date's gone, like she's kind of giving him the cold shoulder, or maybe even some nights nice, he's like, let's see if I can just try get us both blitzed here at this bar. <laughs> yeah. Well, I kind of yeah. lean towards that, and I, I I made a note. I want I, a couple things about that. Um, well, first, is that the most obnoxious way you can order a drink? The way he, like, sizes it up with his fingers to yeah. indicate how high in the glass it should go and kind of Jim Beam rocks water. Like, can't you just say – Jim Beam on the rocks. Like, this guy's a bartender. He's a professional. He knows how to mix a drink. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, uh, Jim Beam double, Jim Beam triple, you know. <laughs> well, and then, and then the other thing is, like, how tall does he think this glass yeah. is? Yeah. He's like, yeah. all right, fill, fill the glass to the absolute top with Jim Beam, throw some ice cubes on the floor, toss water over your shoulder, and you know what? Yeah, it's like sure, no. show, show me the biggest glass you have. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it is that is that is like a solid four or five inches high of, of Jim, Jim Beam. Yeah, yeah, just like two Collins glasses. Hollow out one of them, put them on top of each other, duct tape it together. Well, let me see if I can get a sc- screenshot because it's about twenty nine seconds in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we so we see whatever sugar water lemonade that Reed has been drinking. <laughs> And so he knows how big the glasses are at this bar. And he starts at the height of the glass. Like his yeah. fingers are at the top. And that's just the Jim Beam part. And then like, so where's the ice and the water going to go? <laughs> that was funny. So we've mentioned Scrooge has come up a, a, more than a few times uh, during this movie. Another uh, Bill Murray movie. Um, and I think there's a scene like that in that movie as well where... Uh, where I think he's he's making himself he's got he's a high power TV executive and he's got a bar in his office and I think he's fixing himself vodka 
and he fills up a glass, a highball glass with vodka, and he gives like, and then he opens up a diet cola, and like a splash, <laughs> like literally, like just a little splash of the cola, like. Why bother at that point? I mean, it gives it a little color, but do you even taste it? It's like oh. just, you know. And yeah. and here he's doing the same thing. It's like if the whole thing is Jim Beam, why bother with a splash of water at that point? It's it's the brilliance of the Bill Murray comedic <laughs> performance. You know, he he does physical stuff like that that you really don't even catch. Like I didn't even notice the ordering of like the sizing of the drink until I was yeah. rewatching it here. And it's just kind of like little stuff like that that he'll do that a lot of comedians that would be the first thing in their mind. Like my entire performance is going to be based around this one little thing that I do. And for him, it's mm-hmm. almost like off screen, no verbal cue, just with the hands, you know, or like the splash of diet Coke there. Uh, that's, that's gotta be him doing that, you know, or him and Harold Ramis kind of working together on that. Does it seem such kind of like, uh, just something that's uh, the backbone of his performance It's just these small little subtle things that are dry and, uh, are still funny to this day. You know, like groundhog's day is a movie that has stood the test of time. I, I, I honestly think that this, I would put this up there with like Goodfellas as like mm-hmm. just about a perfect film, you know, in, in every way you experience it. And it's, it's the little things like that, that make it those little nonverbal things. You, you, you take a performance, um, like, uh, Chris Elliott's in the movie. Uh, it's a yes. little bit more wet, you know, I don't think it, it's, it, I think he's a funny guy, but I think his stuff is kind of of the moment that it is. Uh, this, mm-hmm. here we are like almost 20 years God, was it 20 or 30? 25. Thank you. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Time. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it still works it, because of little dry things like that. You know, that's uh, the, the, the genius, the brilliance, really, of uh, Bill Murray's performance. Well, remember, Bill Murray has a history with his bartender. He knows this guy does not put booze in the drinks. Mm. Oh, yeah. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> another true. one with these with booze in it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's probably him stressing. I want you to get that liquor in this glass. Yeah, a little and, bit of water. A little bit of water. And what is a shame is that yeah, like you know, we have her order her tw- her her vermouth twist, and we do not get to see the glass that he eventually gets. We we cut to another iteration. Mm-hmm. All right. So all right, he sits. So yeah, so he makes the mental note with his forehead, mm-hmm. and then he kind of nods, and then we go to the next. Yeah, and then he comes back in. And sweet vermouth rocks with a twist. And yeah, Larry, Larry still isn't getting the the van to start, and we know I, why. We're presuming Phil is sabotaging the distributor cap, the uh, the auto octopus, um, <laughs> for all these days. And, and there's definitely, and he even his 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 facial tics are different in this iteration. The first one was very casual, like, mm-hmm. oh, really? Huh. Well, okay, what do you drink? Now it's like he has this like chipperness. Like he's almost like you can see he's leaning forward a little bit in his seat, kind of looking at her, you know, looking, making that real tight, direct con- eye contact. Uh, 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 four, uh, 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 eyebrows are raised. Like, oh, yeah. wow. Excited? Wow. <laughs> yeah, a little, a little eager. Yeah. And it's still, we can kind of get, or I think we get a feel for how deep he is in rehearsing a particular scene. <laughs> That he kind of starts rough and then he gets it down and it kind of seems natural. But then, and I guess it's probably later that we'll see more of this, is sometimes some of these days or these situations, he kind of gets over rehearsed and he kind of rushes through things. (laughs) But at least at this this point, he does really good. I'm talking about Phil Connor kind of acting when they both order the same thing. 
And then they both look at each other at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of like, oh, oh, so what? You you were you like that too? And it seems really natural. Like he seems he seems genuinely surprised. Yeah. <laughs> um, for for a little bit of moment there, yeah. We almost you could you could almost believe he's sincere, but you know, we know he's not. <laughs> he almost comes across as a real person. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so close, Phil. I know we're gonna find out soon, but I mean. Do, do you ha- did you? I mean, we could save it to later, Sean. But I know you were talking to me a few weeks ago about buying some vermouth. <laughs> so I don't want to. I don't want to say anything now. If you want to save it till next minute, more than happy to. Yeah, I was gonna save it because I. I don't okay. think we haven't. Yeah, we haven't no. seen or actually yeah. get the drink, so we haven't seen the sweet vermouth yet. Okay. Uh, I did a little bit of research. Cliffhanger. Reason to come back tomorrow. I kind of. Okay. I decided to do things a little bit different and do some research for a change, but yeah, let's let's save that for tomorrow. Okay. Um. So yeah, that's all my notes I have right now. Anything else, Kyle? Uh, no, that's everything I've got. Just uh, I had one note that just says two thirds Jim Beam. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my last thought on <laughs> on this minute. <laughs> okay. Good. All right. Well, we want to thank you then for joining us today, Kyle. Absolutely. Thanks for and, having me. And uh, you know, our listeners want to hear more of you. Where can they find more of you? Yeah, uh, if you like the sound of my voice and it doesn't annoy you too much, uh, you can check out my brother Brady and I's podcast, Ghostbusters Minute and Jurassic Park Minute. Uh, it's the same minute-by-minute format that you guys are doing here on the show. Uh, and then my brother Brady and his good friend Chris also did the Goonies Minute. Uh, and again, same format that uh, you guys are doing on this one. So uh, yeah, those are a lot of fun. They're all under our uh, Pele Media banner. So just search uh, Goonies Minute, Ghostbusters Minute, Jurassic Park Minute. should be able to find it pretty easy. Awesome. Thank you very much. No, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks for joining us. Uh, please come back tomorrow. And listeners out there, uh, you should come back tomorrow as well and, and hear the result of all my in-depth sweet vermouth research that I did. Um, <laughs> but so that is it for us. Thank you for listening, and we will see you tomorrow, if there is one.